is 9.34. Joining me now is Master Gardener Joyce Wilcox. Good morning, Joyce. Good morning, Karen. Well, Joyce, you've been on before and uh, as a guest, and we appreciate you coming back. How many years have you been a Master Gardener? Well, actually, I took the core course in 2005. Okay. And so it's been, you know, better than... I've got my 10-year pen. <laughs> okay. Working on the 15, so... So you're, you're a... a uh, but a long time, life long. Yes, gardener. absolutely. What's going on at your house now in terms of gardening? You know, a lot of people, as we talk about winter, we think there's nothing going on, but there always is at our house. Well, you know, I have, I a lot of people probably know this about me. I sort of have a passion for geraniums. And this year I, I was going to change my ways. I was going to just let them go and start over fresh next spring. But you but, can't let it go. But I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So when the weather started turning bad, I got all my geraniums together and I repotted them. I've got like 30 pots oh of geraniums now. Now, and where do you have all this room? Well, in, in the basement. Oh. I have I have lights and tables set up. My husband. So you don't have like a, we have a daylight basement, so that's what I use as like a big patio door, but you actually. No, I have shop lights and I have oh. them on a timer. Okay. And I give them six hours of light a day. And what I do, and I've got some pretty big geraniums because some of them have been part of our family for probably I don't know, eight, nine years. I mean, you know, and I've been doing this for obviously a long time. So what I do is once I'm pulling these big pots, I trim everything way back. We give them a, just a few leaves so that they, you know, have something to survive with. Trim them way back, repot them in fresh new soil. And then I, I put them under my lights in the basement. I give them about six hours of light a day and I water them about once a week. How, how, um, how big are your pots, by the way? Uh, they're probably about... Um, four inch pots. So they're small. small they're they're okay. smaller pots. You kind of, you. the thing you don't want to do is you don't want to fertilize. You don't want to encourage this huge wild growth. You really want to keep them kind of nice and small and compact like Tidy. you would see like you would see in a, in a in a greenhouse in the spring. Otherwise, they get too leggy and you end up having to trim them back anyway. But the other problem that I have is um they keep wanting to come into bloom. So yesterday oh. I was I was deadheading all my geraniums and you want to keep it in terms of you want to make sure there's enough airflow between the plants because a basement setting quite frankly our ba of course we live in an older house. Our basement mm -hmm. is quite cool. Sure. And that's that's an ideal setting for keeping them at bay and not sort allowing of, them sort to, of dormant in a way, but not yeah, killing them off. Yeah, they're they're alive. They're they're shooting out a few new leaves. When they shoot out a bud to bloom, I just I just nip that off. I, I you don't want because that drains the plant. Mm. You want them to work on the greenery and not the flowering. Well, you know, a couple of things I saved from this fall are gerbera daisies. There's the landscape gerbera daisies. Yes. You know, there's there's the they're they're relatively newer because I used to have the other gerberas where you you know you kind of buy them and then you throw them out but these are the ones that you actually plant in the landscape yes and i've had them in pots now this is going on four or five years and they're huge so it's the pots probably 18 20 inches and they bloom like crazy and i i've been letting them bloom so maybe i shouldn't be doing that well where do you have them located where are you I, overwintering i have them in the basement but okay. but we've got a daylight basement so it's okay. a, a giant patio door and they just don't want to stop blooming i would say congratulations oh. <laughs> because <laughs> gabara daisies are really are really hard to grow, I think. Well, I don't... Well, not these landscape okay. ones, though. I'll tell you what, it's a huge... Because I used to kill every single Gerbera daisy before they came out. Proven Winners came out with these um, these landscape variety that are hardy for the landscape. Well, not hardy, like overwinter them, but, but they grow well 
out in just your regular flower beds. And I was one of the pilot people for Proven okay. Winners, uh, f- I think four or five years ago, and they were testing these out, and we had to report back on them. And so I've out of the four, I've got two Two of them left. Okay, now are you planting them in the ground or are they in well, pots? Well, they the were they were in the ground, and then I was putting them in pots okay. for wintering. But now I just put them in pots because because then I don't have to dig them up again because okay. they get huge. I mean, they're yeah. they're yeah. So, uh, but I would recommend them because they're just beautiful. You, you know, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try that this year. My problem with it is that they're really expensive on the onset when you buy them. Well, uh, I tell you what, you can get these landscape ones for probably seven ninety nine. Oh, really? Where did you? I mean, just locally you yep, found those? Yep, yep. Because they they didn't used to be available until Proven Winners came out with the, saying that yeah, these are proven now. Okay. So they're they're relatively newer. So I would encourage them, and I think they're called. Oh gosh, what is they've they've got a name? We had we had a chance to weigh in on the naming. They didn't choose the names I I picked, but <laughs> yeah, it was kind of it was kind of fun. But they're um the one they started at Proven Winners, and now other companies have started to to take okay, them. Okay, because I what's kept me I always have gabarits, but I just have the the regular ones, and then I I let and they them, die out. I let them die in the in the fall. But what I've noted about them personally is that they're. They're, you just have to baby them. They need uh, constant fertilizer, but not too much. They want, you know, constant water. They kind of want perfect conditions. Or if they once they they stop blooming, it can take a few weeks to get them back to shoot buds again. And I've, you know, I and I, I think I'm a I'm pretty pretty good gardener that I kind of know what I'm doing. But I I've ha- always struggled with those, and so I don't even I've never tried to overwinter. Well, them. let me tell you this: these do not stop blooming, and they're still blooming in the winter. And um, you know, I, I often forget to water them, so they actually they go limp, and then I put water and they pop up and they keep. So yeah, I well, would, I think you've just sold me. I'm having Gerbera landscape. It, okay, this, this is the so it's under proven winners. It's called the um the the, the variety is Hello H E L L O with an exclamation point, and they've got different colors. One's called Magenta Men, and then there's the oh what were the other ones? But yeah, they're they're just really. Like I said, I would highly recommend them because I've had such good luck. Kind of like I did with when I recommended those Supertunia. Um, oh, you know, and I got some of those this last year. And? They were, I had a, I added another whiskey barrel to my landscape, which is, I've already got six, so it, may, it might be a little excessive, but they were right out in the front yard, and I planted those with a few other. Um, regular? You know, yeah, regular flowers. They were, it was like the blooms were exploding. Yes. I mean, you could see, you could, maybe a half a block away, you could see this explosion of color in my front yard. It was just gorgeous. They were, that was a wonderful tip. Just a well, wonderful well, tip. Well, this is, you'll be happy with this too, because cause I've discovered those super, um, those uh, Vista Super Tunias. But the only problem is they only come in three colors. They've got the magenta, they've got the Vista Bubblegum. It's like a lighter pink. And then they've got kind of a silver, silver berry. So it's like a little white lighter white but and that's the three and i've planted all of those and i've determined now that i'm going to just keep those because in my containers because it like you said it's explosion of color and it never stops well i tried the pink and then i had a few other um flowers just you know that i had it like there were purples and so it was a great combination but the petunias were so wonderful the vista vista. and the thing was that that, you know mostly with petunias they can get leggy and you've got to do a lot of trimming and And a lot of don't they just I, I was kept waiting to have to have to deadhead <laughs> and it didn't happen until finally everything froze which you know that's yeah you know but it was they were wonderful I had actually people as I was outside working in my you know front gardens people would stop and say what where did you get those from what is this yeah. you know so it was it was kind of fun all right well here's your next one Joyce then it's the hello varieties of the the um 
Gerberas. I've got it. I just wrote oh, it down. Okay, so, so <laughs> we're good. Thank and, you. And, yeah, and you know the, the <coughs> colors they've got would go good with those vistas too. All right, so so I've got in my house now, and I, I kick myself because I haven't done anything yet. I harvested a lot of coleus because you can start coleus from cuttings. Yes, exactly. Well, now you can start um, geraniums from cuttings too, but you don't choose not to do that. You you can, but the reason I don't do that is it's it's really uh they're touchy you can say you know i've gone to a couple of you know various gardening classes where they show you how to do it how to start them and it 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 works but it's it's a lot of a lot of work and then not all of them will root and it's it just it seems it feels to me like it's more work than it's worth plus with the system that i use then my plant by the time i bring it out in the spring is pretty big and within a week or two you've got it it's in full bloom if you do the cuttings it can take a quite a long time to get them back up to speed well generally the coleus are are pretty easy and we were just talking about that and you said how you didn't have a lot of luck well as as i mentioned to you i've started the coleus the kind the, the kind you can start by seed they're some of the smaller varieties a little weaker and I've started those, and they all died. But I get some of the more expensive ones. As long as you don't resell them, you can um, make cuttings and oh, use them for yourself. Yeah. So I've got a whole bunch in water now that I've got to pot. So that's going to be one of my <laughs> Christmas week activities is potting all of those. And the thing I have to do, you said, well, how do they do? Well, they, they're like your geraniums. I have to keep cutting back because they keep getting bigger. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that's really wonderful about coleus is that even in the last five years, I would say the the number of, of varieties and the colors oh, and the beautiful. contrast and the series they've got nowadays, and this is, it's not new news, but fairly recent, uh, the Kong series, they're a very large, large Huge. coleus. And many coleus nowadays, when if you go into a nursery and look at their coleus display, there could be as many as, as 35, easily 35, right. 40 choices. And some are full shade and many are actually full sun. And they, they do well, which is which that's brand new in terms of over the years. It used to be coleus were only shade plants and any glimmer of sunshine and they'd start to wilt. And now like the Kong series, I believe in particular, enjoys full sun. And that's what I like about because some they can say sun or shade. And you, you're yeah. like, really? Oh, OK. Well, that makes it you know more foolproof for us dummies. <laughs> so. Well, I think the thing that a lot of people struggle with really is shade plants. Yes. You know, there isn't, if you look at, you know, and of course I had mentioned earlier and as well as you have already started to get those seed catalogs and oh. I, you know, I don't buy, a, I buy some things out of the seed catalogs, but I mostly like to look to get ideas, you know, and colors yep. and that kind of thing. But and the thing I always go to first is what are, what are we offering for shade? Because with the, um, you know, problem with the uh, Wallerinia uh, variety of impatience and that the the mildew problem that's basically, desi- you know, it's it's desiccated or decimated that whole uh, crop. There aren't a lot of wonderful flowering plants to use in shade. And I find that personally really disappointing because I, my house, I have a whole flower bed on the north side of, you know, a, a 25 foot flower bed that I you know, I just, I used to have these beautiful impatience. I mean, they were just gorgeous. And now I plant, you know, some begonias and stuff, but they never do as well. They don't, they don't offer that just profusion of color. 
And I just wish there was something else. To, and I don't know what it would be. There just doesn't seem to be anything. Well, I'm kind of fighting with that because we've got a, a cabin on the lake. Yeah. And it's, so it's a whole hillside of shade. And now they've started junipers and some Japanese yew over the years for shrubs. But, I mean, as far as getting anything flowering, they've they planted the whole hillside with uh, daylilies, which... Without sun, they don't really make much for flowers. Well, they flower, but it's it's it's, it's really wimpy. it's kind of pathetic. Yeah, it's know, wimpy. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to find something that maybe will work just to add a little more color and and also to hold the the soil a little bit better. And and that's been it's it's a challenge. Anything with yeah. shade is a challenge. Well, I think the one thing I have had uh, that has worked is the polka dot plant, which is kind oh. of people you know think of that usually as a house plant. Yeah, that's what I was. But thinking. but it's it's kind of fun because you can get um, a, quite a good variety of, of leaves and you know, get some pinks and some greens and some whites and some purples and the thing that I found which I didn't know because I was fairly new to growing polka dot plants they actually if they're if they're fairly happy in that they have good fertilizer and good moisture they will start to bloom and they get oh. little they get little purple flowers which was kind of an added treat are they annuals though For, they're annuals okay, so you'd yeah. have to replant you would have to replant okay. or i think you could do cuttings with much like coleus if you wanted to mm -hmm. but i'm still experimenting with what to do with that north flower bed because i haven't been thrilled with my results. I like the polka dot plants, but I probably have to have 400 of them to, <laughs> to make it big difference. <laughs> to make it, yeah. to make it, I want something lush. I, I want something, you know, a lot of color and I just, I haven't found it. I just haven't hey, found have it. Have you ever tried the astilbes? Because astilbes, you know, they get some no, nice color I haven't. too. And I've got some in my shade garden with hostas. See, that's the other thing. If you want shade, you think, well, hostas and hostas can be very pretty. And they do have blooms, but they're not as substantial as, of course, if you want a lot of color. But the astilbes, do nice in shade and I they've get some nice pinks and whites and I've got one that's like a purple and so that's something that I found that's uh, actually not too y bad you know I haven't tried those but I I guess I'm always with that particular flower bed I'm always open to it I, I want to get it back to how beautiful it used and they're to perennials be. so yeah, yeah yeah so that might be a good one to try that, yeah. that I've had really good luck with um but and the other thing is if you want a profusion you got to plant a lot of them and they're kind of spendy too yeah yeah, and and then I've I've noticed too. Do you do the bleeding hearts at all? I used to have one that when we bought the house, literally 1980, moved there in 1984. There were a couple of bleeding hearts, and they they were prop. The plants must have been 100 years old when we moved yeah. there because they bloomed for a couple of years and they just kind of died out. Well, because it's really interesting how. I remember at my grandma's, and we had them on our farm, too, the bleeding hearts, and they would bloom kind of in the spring, and then they'd kind of die out. They've got varieties now that pretty much go all summer long. See, and I should look into that. Yes. I have not. I have not, because I just thought, you know, that I love the spring bloom, but it was so, so brief, and then yes. that was... Uh, you know. There was one, um, it was at the end of the year, a local garden center was selling them. I mean, normally they're like $30, $35 for a big pot. And I was like, oh, I'm not paying that. But they were five bucks. And I'm like, oh, yeah. for five bucks, I'll try them. And I was really pleased. So I threw them in in the fall because it was late fall. They were just trying to get rid of them. And the next spring, you know, they that when they started to bloom and then they didn't stop. And I was like, wow, this is really neat. They were red. So they were really pretty too. Yeah. So anyway, so well, I'm, I'm going to look into that, too. I, you know, we always learn things from each other as far oh, as yeah. who's. Well, how did you, you know, with your, I knew you bought the cabin. Did you get your, did you get your gardening set? I mean, in terms of, are you still working on that? <laughs> well, it's a work in progress, but you wouldn't believe how much I, I got done. And one thing I had to do, the clay was so bad there. I mean, the, you know, I don't know what your soil's like, but, but out there, there was so much clay and, um, 
we had to have a bunch dug out all around the foundation because the wall had buckled because mm-hmm. of all the clay had built sure. up and stuff. So I found a place called uh, Full Circle Organics. Maybe you've heard of it by Good sure, Thunder. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, after getting rid of most of the clay, had to dig it out. I mean, it was a huge process. And replaced it with that wonderful compost. And it's been very nice. I mean, it, it's been nice. So I've planted a lot of um, permanent uh, shrubs and things there. And uh, one of my others that you might want to put on your list, and Barbara Lampson and I both will recommend this to anybody, is the, um, it's called the Cherry Cheesecake Hibiscus. It's a hardy hibiscus. Oh, yeah. You have never seen anything, and that thing blooms for weeks at starting in the end of July and will go through September. And the flowers are, they're white with these beautiful kind of uh, cranberry, uh, burgundy um, stripes. Oh, sounds and, wonderful. And they're like eight inches, eight inch blooms, and they just keep coming and coming and coming. And, um, you know, I planted one at, I had one here in Mankato at the house, and so I planted one out this year at the lake place. And the first year, it did amazing. And they're not that expensive. So if you get this perennial, I want to say they're between 16 and $19 for a big, big pot. You source that locally? Yeah, I've got, okay. I've got them at our local drummers, which okay. is one of my favorite local places. So, and and if that would go in with your colors, with your you know the pinks and the the burgundies and oh the, yeah, so that sounds beautiful. Yeah. So and anyway, but they like full sun. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. I've got I, yeah I've got some full sun spots too. It's just in fact on the south side of my house I've got a situation where it's real hot. <laughs> it's oh. real sunny, but I've had really just wonderful luck with planting. Um, uh, you know, bulb bulbs there. You oh, know, you? like your your canna lilies and that kind of thing. And and I also try to um, be hummingbird friendly, and I've had really really good success with the canna. You know, they love those cannas. They just love them, and they they're right out my living room window. So all of a sudden, you can be in the living room and you see a little hummingbird flying by, and it's just, it's real fun. They they we have a lot of hummingbirds, but mo- I have a number of neighbors that are feeders also and are hummingbird friendly. So. So you got that's not that's always fun to see. Uh, I wanted to chat about something else too. This was in today's free press. I know you haven't had a chance to read it yet, but their article on the front page is talking about the temperatures rising, and it says Mankato has the second fastest warming winters in the U.S. Now I don't like to see that at all. It says if you needed more information that our winters are increasingly wimpier, the nonprofit group Climate Central shows Mankato is the second fastest warming city in the nation. It was a report. Uh, that was put together by a New Jersey-based group of scientists that found that winters have warmed the fastest in the Great Plains and the Great Lakes region. And since 1970, Mankato winters have warmed by an average of 6 degrees. That ties with Minneapolis. Only winters in Burlington, Vermont, have warmed faster, rising 7 degrees. So, I mean, isn't that something here? And, I mean, I can really tell this winter, I mean, I feel like we are not in winter yet. Well, I don't know if you pay attention to that, but they're in the paper every day. They give the soil temperature Mm -hmm. in Wasika. And I just happen to, I mean, I look at it almost every day, and it was still in the 30s, which means, yeah, which means the ground is not frozen. Um, That's going to be problematic for a lot of perennials because if if it happens like last year, I don't know if you recall this, we got a real, real cold snap in like January, and then in February we pushed 70 degrees. I remember because that's when we we dug the wall out at the lake house, and the yard was made a muddy mess, and so I had to reseed the whole thing. And that's that's when some of us, I had some of those Minnesota hardy mums, and and I I didn't mulch them thinking, well, snow will cover because I've 
had had really good luck. I'd had them for a number of years, and I lost about half of them. Oh. And it, it was that February seventies that um, that killed them because I went right out there and looked. There were the little mums that are always the, even through the winter under the snow. You see green under mm-hmm. there. After that, I went out there and looked, and it, within a week, all that had, not all, but a lot of it had died. And they came back pretty good because they spread pretty well this year. But this year, I put I put leaves I put leaves on, and, and you know, the, the, theoretically, you're not supposed to do any mulching until after the ground freezes. Well, here we are. What is today? December 15th. The yeah. ground is not frozen. Well, because I and, have not, bar, or, uh, Joyce, I have not yet put the leaves on yet just because I'm behind can I still do that because I've got my my all my hostas are still bare and well yeah actually you sh- you're, you weren't supposed I wasn't supposed to do what I did <laughs> but you're like but, when am I going to do it right? you know but the problem I had was last year I I'm so nervous about losing things this spring that I decided you know what I'm just going to do it and see what happens I um I, I don't I didn't know what else to do because we're not we're just learning how to deal with this new climate that we have as far as I'm concerned. Because if you look, you know, think back about, you know, your childhood and what winter was like. And, and now, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you know, of course I'm talking, you know, 50 years ago, but still that in a climate situation, that much change over 50 years is huge, is huge. Because, you know, I grew up with the winters and I just grew up south of here on a farm. It was, you always had, these huge snowbanks oh, yeah. way into March, and now we're looking at planting flowers in March. Right, you know, so it's it's crazy. And you and I, before we got on the air, we're talking about zones. We're in Zone Four B, and that has right. changed because of the warming. Uh, we used to be in Four A. Yeah, and you mentioned there's some pockets. I can't remember how you described it, but of five heat islands, and it, I just I've heard about this several times. As you move up toward the Twin Cities, I believe there's an area near Jordan that's actually considered a Zone Five, uh, and and then as you get further into the Twin Cities, there's certain areas in the city area that are actually uh, warmer than we are, and mo- that's urban. That's an urban heat island. And where I live in Lower North Mankato, we're not too far from the river. We have, I have found historically, and I've lived there since, you know, the mid-80s, um, we don't freeze, when they're when they're advertising or when the local weather folks are saying that we're going to have a hard freeze, rarely do we freeze on the first the first time that's going to happen. Yes. It, and I think it's the, the warming effect yet from the river because, uh, you know, the river doesn't, even now the river's not frozen. There's big ice chunks oh. moving down, but it's not frozen. And until that actually freezes over, you get a lot of heating effect from the river. And, you know, so that's just, you know, part of nature, I guess. Well, and it makes it hard when you're we're wanting to plant gardens too because I think, well, can I get a zone five? Am I pushing my luck? You know, it's hard to know now because uh, I'm just kind of at a loss for sometimes what to get. I, you know, what I like to do, I think I, I always look at the zones and, and sometimes I, you know, some things that get offered in some local um, big box stores are zone five. And I don't think anybody is there telling people these are zone five. But if you actually are doing a little research and know a little bit about what you're doing, if you plant a zone five in a protected area, uh, microclimate and, yeah you oftentimes you can be successful and the other piece is perennials are supposed to last forever but most perennials never last forever no. anyway they get old and they eventually will just kind of die out 
So I, I think that trying a zone five, if you didn't have to pay a hundred dollars for the plant, you're, you're not out. You're not out that much. And if you get a few years of bloom, it that if you're a gardener, that's what counts. <laughs> well, yeah, and then 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 if it dies out, you have an excuse to try something new. Exactly, exactly. Hey, we wanted to talk a little bit about saving the date for something coming up. The River Minnesota River Valley Master Gardeners are going to be putting on what's called Spring Alive, and that's actually already the it's the it's it's already planned. Um, the area is reserved. It's going to be up at South Central College at the Conference Center. The date for that is Saturday, February twenty fourth, and there will be obviously you know um, news coming out about it at the opera opportunity for people to pre-register uh and it isn't until the end of february but it's you know the dates fill up in in the springtime there are a lot of um in in the area a lot of garden groups and garden clubs that have uh, their annual education days we like to do it here in Mankato to make it very convenient for people that live right here. We right. have a big group of gardeners here in town. But it's for the public. I mean, exactly. it's not just master gardeners that can no. come. It's it's, it's it, open to the public. And it's going to give you ideas that anybody, master gardener or not, can use. In fact, uh, we're bringing in a, a hosta expert. She's, I think, is she now the president of the, the uh, Minnesota Hosta Society? Her name is Kathy Harem, and she's going to be a guest, and she's going to provide some really great tips. I know talking about new varieties, and then there's a thing called Virus X. Exactly. We, and so she's going to be a great speaker. And then another one we're having is Dr. Sarah Hobby, and she is a a University of Minnesota researcher that's looked into um, uh, water. Um, let's see how am I how can say this is just just water quality and and how we can all play a part in in making gardens and in our landscapes so they're water friendly and, and basically benefiting the environment. And, and I think one other person that will be speaking uh, is our local county educator. Um, uh, Sean? Sean is going to be doing a presentation on, on planting pollinator friendly gardens. Okay, bee and, gardens, etc. And, and that's uh, ext- you know, an extremely hot topic nowadays because our bees disappearing is a reality and, and and they that's how we get our food if we didn't exactly have, yeah so and so and he's a he's a, a great speaker he's new to us he's mm-hmm. new to us this year and we've you know had a he's been very a wonderful source of information so he's going to be one of the speakers also and we're tweaking up the rest of the program but it's always it's on a saturday uh we there's a lot of door prizes um, Some really uh, great door prizes, yeah, and it's usually what eight till noon. It's eight till noon, mm-hmm. so it gives people an opportunity then to get together with some friends, come to the garden uh, workshop, and go out to lunch, do a little shopping or whatever. It's it's been a wonderful day, wonderfully successful, and we're hoping that um, we can have a big turnout again this year. But there's going to be plenty of information out there right after the first yeah, of the so year for people to pre- pre-register. But save the date; it's Spring Alive. The gardening seminar on february 24th at the south central college so just put it down right now and then you exactly put it put it in your phone <laughs> there you go yep there you go or if you're like my husband you put write it on the calendar because he still does that so anything else we're almost out of time but um, i don't think so i'm just thinking the only other thing i would say is if you're christmas shopping for the gardener ah. in your family don't forget that we Love to get real practical things like uh, a bag of garden soil or you know potting soil. Right. Uh, I mean, who said dirt is a good thing for it, it's potting a very, soil? It's yeah. a very, it's a very, it's a nice gift. And, and as a gardener, I would be thrilled to get some bags of potting soil. Me for too, because so. it's a, they, they can be expensive when you and I exactly. need a lot of them. Yeah. And in the springtime, once you start spending money, sometimes you've spent a little more than you thought you were going to. So <laughs> always, you know, or a gift certificate to a garden center. Yes. That is like 
sugar candy. I mean, oh, for, for a gardener, gold. that's it's sometimes people think gift certificates are impersonal, but it's no. in the case of a gardener, the more the better because you, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little less money that you have to take out of the, out of the bank. So and the more opportunity to buy more plants. Exactly, and that's what we need is more plants, more flowers, uh, more vegetables. Right. Well, I want to thank uh, Joyce Wilcox, Master Gardener for Minnesota River Valley Master Gardeners, for coming in and filling in for Barb today. It's always great having you. And uh, Merry Christmas. I probably well, was, yeah. thank you, Karen. Same to you. So good to be here. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. It's two minutes past.